You're listening to Comedy Central. April 10, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. exciting newcomer to the world of entertainment. And you know what? I think she has a bright future ahead of her. Oprah Winfrey is joining us, everybody. Yeah. That was so nice. Also on tonight's show, how to get black people to vote for you, Bernie Sanders is now the 1%, and Auntie Maxine has the gavel, and she's not afraid to use it. So let's catch up on today's headlines. (laughs) Bernie Sanders. He's become famous as the guy fighting against the millionaires and billionaires. But now, he might have to have a conversation with the man in the mirror. Senator Bernie Sanders says he is a millionaire. The Vermont senator has denounced millionaires for years, but admitted to Ed O'Keefe the book earned him significant royalties. I wrote two books in recent years. One of them was a bestseller on the New York Times bestseller list, translated to five or six languages. It did very well. I made money on that book. Wow. Bernie Sanders, AKA the enemy of the rich, AKA socialist Superman, has come out as a millionaire. And it's funny that he had to come out as a millionaire. Like, I wonder if he came out to his family first. Guys, there's something I need to tell you. (laughs) I'm actually rich. And I bet his family was like, oh, Bernie, we've known for years. We had a feeling when you started ordering appetizers, Bernie. (laughs) Now, obviously, for many people, this is a bit shocking because hating millionaires is Bernie's whole thing, you know? This is like finding out Donald Trump is secretly Mexican, you know? It's just like, (laughs) we need to build a wall to keep my in-laws from coming over! Make America grande again! (laughs) And now look, look, obviously Bernie's not gonna change his core principles because of this. That's not who he is. But I do think it would be funny if we started picking up subtle changes. You know, if he's in his speeches, he was like, now that I think about it, the 1% aren't that bad. It's the 0.1% that are really bad. What? We sold another book. It's the 0.01% that are really bad. All right, moving on. Space. It's the thing astronomers love and my girlfriend wants more of, whatever that means. And today, we're seeing part of it that we've never seen before. A historic photo, scientists releasing the first ever picture of a black hole in space. This is for the first time ever. This image, which captured by a global network of telescopes, is being unveiled in a series of simultaneous press conferences around the world. This is amazing. The first picture ever of a black hole. And like everything that's come out about it has been incredible, right? The size is incredible. It is bigger than our entire solar system. And apparently, get this, they had to use like every major telescope in the world at the same time just to get this picture. Yeah, because it's really hard to get a photo of a black hole, even harder than getting a photo of Melania smiling next to Trump. (laughs) Really, really hard. And I know right now some of you are like, Trevor, what's the big deal? I already knew what a black hole looks like. No, you see, that's the thing, you didn't. You didn't, none of us did. All we knew, is what Hollywood made up, right? And it turns out they were basically right. (laughs) 
Which is crazy. Like, if anything, we should blame Hollywood for taking away the surprise. Their imagination is too good. Like, I'll bet it's gonna be the same thing with aliens. Aliens are gonna come down to Earth, and if you think about it, movies have come up with so many different kinds of aliens, there aren't any ones that could surprise us. Aliens are gonna land, and we'll be like, oh, look, it's the Mars Attacks guys, yeah! <laughs> they, like, there's no alien that can surprise us. Like, nothing. Uh, unless, like, okay, one, there's one that could. What if aliens look like giant penises? <laughs> that would be a surprise, right? Because they come down, you'd be like, whoa, wait, wait, what, what? And they'd be like, we are here to free our brethren who are attached to you. Bring out the freedom blades. Wait, 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 wait! <laughs> All right, anyway, while we're on the subject of black holes, Congress. <laughs> Yesterday, Steve Mnuchin, Treasury Secretary and plant from Little Shop of Horrors, <laughs> was there for an oversight hearing. And I, I just want to show you guys one moment. You don't even need to know what the hearing was about. All you need to know is that Mnuchin started complaining that the hearing was taking too long, which did not sit well with the committee chairwoman, Auntie Maxine. If you'd wish to keep me here so that I don't have my important meeting and continue to grill me, then we can do that. I will cancel my meeting and I will not be back here. I will be very clear if that's the way you'd like to have this relationship. Thank you. The gentleman, the secretary, has agreed to stay to hear all of the rest of the members. Okay, Please so just cancel let's your meeting and respect our time. What I told you is I thought it was respectful that you'd let me leave at 5.15. You are free to leave any time you want. You okay, may go well then, uh, anytime please, you want. Please, please dismiss everybody. I believe you're supposed to take the gravel and, and bang it. That's Please do not instruct me as to how I'm to conduct this committee. Ooh! Damn! Oh! Wow, look at those eyes. It looked like Mnuchin was about to get his ass beat. He was so flustered. He was like, you got the gravel. The what? The gravel. He probably went home that night crying like, Viola Davis was so mean to me. <laughs> We're now just 572 days away from the 2020 election, which means we barely have enough time to squeeze in one more installment of our Democratic primary coverage, World War D. Democratic primary. It currently has more candidates running than the New York City Marathon. <laughs> just look at all those faces. Look at all those faces. <laughs> and just like the New York City Marathon, most of these people won't make it to the end. And as the primaries approach, there's one key voting demographic everyone needs on their side. Black people. Because if you have a strategy for winning the black vote, you're golden. That's how Barack Obama won. He had a brilliant strategy campaign of being black. <laughs> but not every candidate has that advantage. So they've been busy appealing to the culture by any means necessary, including going on hip hop radio. For Democratic presidential hopefuls, there's the Iowa caucus, the New Hampshire primary, and now the Charlemagne caucus. Breakfast Club. Eight years ago, the Breakfast Club radio show started here in New York with a focus on hip-hop and the black community. Now, hosts Charlemagne the God, DJ Envy, and Angela Yee already hosted almost a third of the Democratic field this year. Have you ever gotten a massage at the Orchards of Asia Day Spa in Florida? <laughs> that is not a headline. The answer is no. Wow, that's right. Even billionaire Bernie did an interview with Charlemagne. Although Bernie's so old, I bet he thought he was gonna be talking to the Charlemagne, <laughs> right? The emperor from the Holy Roman Empire. 
He's like, oh, I'm excited. We went to the same school, remember? We took history together, but back then we just called it present. <laughs> and you know, I think it's great that candidates are broadening the way that they speak to black issues, right? Because anyone can show up at a black church and clap off beat, right? That's easy. <laughs> but it takes real commitment to show up somewhere where they may ask you to drop a freestyle. You never know. Yeah, I can't wait for Joe Biden's freestyle. It'll be like, heads, shoulders, knees, and toes. Let me touch him, let me touch him, let me touch him, let me touch him, let me touch him. <laughs> now, The Breakfast Club is a great place to connect with the young black folks. But you gotta remember, the older generation of black voters are the real powerhouse at the polls. And to connect with them, the candidates are going through the Reverend L. Sharpton. Democratic candidates today flooding a New York conference room for a chance to stand out to a key Democratic demographic. Some 12 of 17 2020 hopefuls made it a priority to stop at the Reverend Al Sharpton's National Action Network annual convention. Al Sharpton asking every candidate whether they would sign a bill that would create a commission to study the issue of reparations. The overwhelming response from the 2020 contenders? Yes. 100%, of course. Yes, I would. I already support that bill. Go HR 40. And I will sign that bill. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna pass this. Come on now. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna pass. Come on now. I'm in a room full of black people. What do you think I'm gonna say? What do you think? You think I want Nike footprints all over my collar? Come on. I'm gonna say that. I'm not gonna lie. That's a tough spot to be in. You're at a black convention with the Reverend L. Shopton literally an inch from your face. You have to agree to anything. Yeah, Shopton could be like, actually, just to be fair, I think white people should be our slaves for a couple hundred years. What do you think? And they'd have to be like, uh, yes, Master Shopton, that's a fine idea. <laughs> so all of the Democratic candidates are doing their best to reach black voters. And sometimes part of that outreach means apologizing to black people for how you might have done them wrong. Like Pete Buttigieg, mayor of South Bend, Indiana, and famous boy detective. It recently came out. <laughs> that back in 2015, Buttigieg said all lives matter while talking about criminal justice during a speech. And now he wants black people to know that he's sorry. What I did not understand at that time was that that phrase, just early into mid, especially 2015, was coming to be viewed as a sort of counter slogan to Black Lives Matter. Since learning about how that phrase was being used to push back on that activism, I've stopped using it in that context. Wow, look at that. He's apologizing for saying all lives matter in 2015. Man, elections are good for black people, huh? <laughs> yeah, because normally politicians don't care this much. Like, if it was up to black people, there'd be an election every six weeks. And for every job, just to get apologies. Be like, hi, I'm Gary, and I'm running to be a cashier at Target. Uh, of course, first I wanna say, uh, sorry for slavery. Vote Gary. <laughs> for more on the Democratic Party's outreach to black voters, we turn now to our very own black voter, Roy Wood Jr., everybody. <laughs> Thank you, Trevor. I just want to say that so far, the Democratic candidates this year have been reaching out to the black community in a very respectable and genuine way. And to that, I say, that noise. It's time to start pandering, baby. I can't wait. It's pander time, man. Pandering? Yeah. But, 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 Roy, I, I don't understand. But, 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 Roy, I don't understand. Look, you hurt me. I don't know how y'all pick all y'all dictators over in Africa. I don't know what y'all do over there. But in America... We love the candidate who panders the hardest, 
We want you to shuck. We want you to jive. We want you to fall on your ass trying to do the nay-nay. You should be pandering so much that by the time you take the oath of office, your own mama should be ashamed to know you. Okay, okay, Roy. Pander time, man. I, I don't, it. I don't understand. And I'm gonna ask you to clarify what you mean by pandering, but please don't make fun of me this time. It's, it's okay, Simba, I got you. Case in point, in 2008, Milky white Mitt Romney showed up to a Martin Luther King parade to show how down he was with the brothers. Hey, buddy, how you doing? <laughs> What's happening? We got some bling bling here, too. Who's got your camera, though? <laughs> who let the dogs out? Who, who? Yes. Who, who did let those dogs out? Whom, whom? make it sound like the dogs went to private school. But that's what I'm talking about. Some good-ass pandering, baby. Because clearly, clearly, Mitt Romney had no idea what the hell he was talking about. Probably sat in the back of a school bus writing down everything he heard black kids say. Like, oh, so the shizzle gets the nizzle? <laughs> wow, you learned so much sitting in the back of these long, yellow, dirty limousines. <laughs> but let me tell you, Romney's got nothing on the yass queen of pandering, Hillary Clinton. Over the weekend, Senator Clinton and her campaign took a trip down south, and apparently, so did her accent. Listen to this. I don't feel no ways tired. I come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me that the road would be easy. I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. Oh, and let me reach out to you, Lord Jesus. I feel the Lord in the building right now. That's some grade A pandering if I've ever seen it, Trevor. She was pandering so hard, I expected her to be like, Hiller is my slave name from now on, call me Rodamex. Here's what I don't get, though. What, what's the point of pandering? Because Romney and Hillary both lost. Yeah, they lost because they panned the game wasn't tight. If you want to pander your way into the White House, it's another level. You gotta learn from the master, Bill Clinton. Forget accents and song lyrics. No, Bill went on a black TV show and played the blackest instrument possible, the saxophone. wasn't just pandering. Clinton gave black people hope for a world they'd never seen before. A world where a black talk show host has a white band leader. You got a white band leader? No, I don't, Roy. See? Well, then we're still climbing that mountain, Trevor. Roy Wood Jr., everybody! We'll be right back. tonight is one of the most influential people of our time. She's a global media leader, philanthropist, and author whose new book is called The Path Made Clear, Discovering Your Life's Direction and Purpose. Please welcome Oprah Winfrey. (laughs) 
right. They're, these are your people. These are your people. Okay, thank you. And our time is up. We'll be right back. <laughs> thank you. you. That do was you so ever get used to the amount of joy you see on people's faces when you walk by? Because even in the building, Oprah, this is the craziest thing that's ever happened to me. Let me tell you now. We're backstage. I'm getting my makeup done. We're walking. Then Oprah just walks. She doesn't come through like the celebrity entrance. No, she just walks through the building, just greeting everyone. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> but surely you realize that you are causing chaos everywhere you go. <laughs> No, actually, I love these moments. I, this happens to me quite often. I'll run into someone who says, oh my God, you don't know, you don't know what this means. And I said, yeah, I do. You came home from school. Your mom wasn't there. Yes. You yes. were a latchkey kid. You watched me at four o'clock. Right. So I raised you, right? Yes. And they're like, yes, you raised <laughs> That's exactly me. what it is. So I, I feel like, um, I feel rewarded by that. I feel like, I think I, I did a good, lot of good job raising people. I think you did a great job. That's what I think. And but this is what, Trevor, I knew it was time to leave the show when people who had come to the show, then they had children, and their children were now having children <laughs> watching the show. It's time to go. You know, you say that, but I honestly wonder if you didn't leave too soon. Here's why I say this. You left the show, but it feels like we never got tired of Oprah. I mean, we, we, we now are watching you on Super Soul Sundays. We're now That's seeing good. Oprah. Do, do you think it, you just needed a break Well, you know what? Else? I do wish that there... Uh, the only time I actually really missed, missed, missed it was 2016, because I thought for sure that speaking to the audience every day, because this is what I missed the most. Right. I missed having a discourse with the audience every day. And because every day after the show, it's been time with the audience. Because for right. years, I signed autographs. And then I thought, one day, I didn't. And I had so much more energy. What do I really want to do? I want to talk to the audience. So the audience, 10 years in, became my biggest focus group. Oh, wow. Yes. And so we would talk and talk and talk. So I would not have been surprised by the election or anything, because I would have been talking to people from all states. You would have been in touch with them. I would that's have been, really interesting. It would have been my direct connection. And so that's what I missed. That, it feels like that's the story of your life, is you love to be in an environment where you are in touch with human beings. That's what this book feels like it's about. The path made clear, discovering your life's direction and purpose. You seem like someone who's always had your path, like, nailed down. Yeah, pretty clear. Yeah. Pretty clear. Like, where do you think you got that from, and why do you think this book will help people do the same Just thing? Just like you, being raised... First of all, I love your book so much. Okay. I love you. your book so much. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> love your book so much. And being raised by a strong grandmother yes. who taught me to read, but what I learned to read was the Bible and grew up, you know, in kindergarten. When I went to kindergarten, you know the story that when I went to kindergarten? No. I uh, had been in Mississippi, which was an apartheid state. Right, right, born. right. And so when I moved to Milwaukee and uh, had just started kindergarten, I walked in and all these little white kids were doing their ABCs. And I said, I know some big words. And I wrote them all down to my kindergarten teacher. Oh, wow. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, <laughs> me and my grandma. <laughs> and I got myself out of kindergarten the first day. That is so, hilarious. Yes. So, being grounded in something that I knew was bigger than myself... Yes. Is, is, ...is set the course for me to understand that there's always something greater than you and that no matter what, you are going to be all right. So that should be your mantra. Look at wherever you come from. Things are always working out for you.
And when you have faith, you know that things always will. The book really feels like a conversation with the reader that does exactly that. It talks to you about the journeys and the steps that you can take in life to get you where you need to be. What I enjoy is you speak to people who are inspiring all walks of life. Yes. And what I, what I've That's my favorite thing to do. That's what I've noticed. You yes, love, love being inspired by people. But you're Oprah. <laughs> but you're Oprah though. No, now, but it's Why did silly. you choose these people in the book to inspire Be- us with their stories? Because they're all people that I've been talking to over the years on right. Social Sunday and Master Classes. You, you're on page 169. I am. Uh, yes, you are. And, uh, <laughs> and a few more. <laughs> so they're all people who've inspired me because at this stage in my life, I only talk to who I want to talk to, okay? Yeah. So. <laughs> I really do. And so to be to be surrounded by people, and this is the truth, whether you have a talk show or not, whatever you're doing in your life, you need to surround yourself with people who are going to stimulate, inspire, and lift you up, who are going to give you energy and not take energy away from you. And if you're around people who are taking energy away from you, that's an energy drain. And that is the sign from your instinct, your inner voice, your intuition to say, let them go. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All right. We've still got a lot more with Oprah Winfrey coming up. Don't go away, everybody. We'll be right back. (laughs) Yeah, this is a big one. Welcome back to The Daily Show. We are here with Oprah Winfrey uh, talking about her brand new book, The Path Made Clear, Discovering Your Life's Direction and Purpose. Um, when you look at successful people, you have talked to everyone in the yeah, world who is successful. What would you say is the one common characteristic that you find gets people to where they want to go? Um, the, the most important question is, uh, the people get to where they want to go because they know where they want to go. Oh, wow. And most people don't know where they want to go. Most people, a lot of people, are going and being driven by what they think they should do, right. what other people say they should do, what they have carried in their mind for a long time they should do. But the most important question you can ever ask yourself is what do I really want? Wow. And the answer to that, once you can establish for yourself what the answer to that is, and have everything you do, every choice you make, move you in the direction of what you say your vision is. Right. Yeah, and when you do that, the, 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 the forces of life rise up to meet you. The reason why most people have such chaotic lives is because they're living in chaos in their head. And as soon as you get clear, it clears up. You, you, you have... It clears up. You and I this... did this book, you know what? One of the reasons I did this book because you know I have all these wonderful girls from South Africa who love you. Yes, who yes. Who say, Mom well, Oprah, he's on the road. Could you get us some tickets? <laughs> Could you well, get to us... give you context, here's the thing. So 12 years ago, you started the Oprah Winfrey Leadership Academy in South Africa, which is honestly one of the most amazing institutions. Because it goes, it goes beyond just a school. Yes. It's, it's an idea. Yeah. It's, you, you, you've gotten girls in a country where Thank you for, for so that. long... No, it really is. It's yeah. an idea where you've said to these young black girls who are powerful and empowered to be like, hey, be the best you can be. Yeah. And you are creating leaders. Yeah. yeah. But what you found, and you speak about this, is that there was a pressure that came with that where they went, I went to Oprah's school, which yes. means I have to be everything. Yeah. But you only have to be yourself because there's nobody else in the world who's quite like you. And what your real job is to do is to come to the world and understand that your job is to figure out what it is you have to offer. Like what you do every night looks like a talk show, but what you're offering us is relief. What you're offering us is a way to see ourselves differently. What you're offering us is humor, but what you're offering us is a way in to see our culture. And that is what you do. 
And so it's bigger than a talk show. It's bigger than just this moment with you and I sitting in the chair. Wow. Because what you are broadcasting to the world is this sort of essence of yourself. You know, your purpose is greater than, than this moment in this chair. You was know there, that. Was there ever a moment where you maybe had the wrong idea of what your purpose would be? I know you speak a little bit about it in the book, but was there ever a moment where you failed and you're glad that you failed because it put you on the path that you were meant to be on? Well, you know, we were just talking about this during the co commercial break. It was actually a, a show that I was doing with skinheads and, you know, uh, white supremacists where I thought I was showing the world their vitriol right. and letting the world see that. And I recognized they were actually using me. They were using that platform because I, at the time, did not understand how powerful the platform was. Wow. So when I figured that out, I literally said, I'm only gonna use my work, this platform, as a force for good. Yes. I will cause no harm. I will cause no harm. When, let me ask you this. When you, when you, when you were demoted from the news division. Oh, yeah. That's, that's an interesting moment because you know in life they always go, you know, fail and then try again and try again and try yeah. again. But this is, this is an interesting one because you, you technically failed at the news division. You were demoted to the talk show, but yeah. the talk show ended up being the greatest promotion the in your life. The first day I was on the talk show, which was like the Carvel Ice Cream Man, okay? It's not like a big guest. Yes. It's the Carvel Ice Cream Man in his multi-flavors. Okay. <laughs> but I had been demoted from the news because I was too emotional. I would get too engaged in the stories. I would go, yes, I was too emotional. And I was always getting written up for being too emotional with the stories. And so had I not been demoted, I probably would have for a long time continued on that path because my father was like, they paying you $25,000, you better keep that job. So <laughs> I would have stayed for all the wrong reasons instead of taking what looked like a failure in the moment and being demoted. Right. And then the moment I sat down on my first talk show, I thought, I have come home to myself. And that's what everybody is looking for the path that allows you to come home to yourself. I feel, like, I feel like you're creating that for others now because now we're seeing Oprah Winfrey, the executive producer. We're seeing the own network. We're seeing your work with creators. David Oyelowo was on the show the yeah, other day talking yeah, yeah. about his first opportunity to direct. When you are creating, and when you are helping others to create, mm. you, you, you have to take a different position because it's not for you, it's well, for somebody else. You know, but the one, most wonderful thing, I think that everybody, and especially if you've been able to be blessed and achieved as much as I have, the great reward and joy comes from being able to lift other people up. Right. To, 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 to look back or reach back and lift other people to the highest level of themselves, because that's really what we're all looking for. Right. That's what I say in here, that the reason why there is common ground for all of us is because you want the same thing I want. And even in my position in life, I'm still reaching for what is the truest, highest expression of myself as a human being. Wow. That's the path you're looking for. And when you know that that's what we're all looking for, so my job is, I think I've found that, and I continue to find it by helping other people to find that for themselves. One of the ways you're doing that is by creating a docu-series with Prince Harry about mental... Oh, what a mental, good segue. About <laughs> mental... <laughs> oh, you can't peel back the curtain, Oprah. Oh, the man's got skills. The man's got one of, skills. One of the things you're doing is talking about mental health. And I love how you, you, you do, you've called it mental fitness, because that's yes. how we need to think of it as people. Are we healthy in our minds? You're working with Prince Harry, which is really exciting. I'm going, what is it like to work with royalty for him? Uh... <laughs> good. That's good. That's good. You got me. You got me. Uh, he is a great partner. 
And I want everybody to know that, uh, first of all, I don't do or engage in anything unless I'm giving 100%. He feels the same. And so he is a great partner in helping us decide what we're, who we're going to interview, how it's going to be interviewed, what subjects we're going to be covering. I've had you know meetings with him. We've sat down with our team. And we're working together with, on this as a real partnership. It's so, really, it, yeah. it's genuinely so, exciting. I mean, yeah. everything, everything you do blows up. Everything Well, you know why touches. it was so important to me? This is why it was so important to me. Because I have a girls' school, and you know, these girls come from provinces all yes. over South Africa. Yes. When you're dealing with people who come from lots of trauma, those, that trauma shows itself in later life mm -hmm. as depression sometimes, as anxiety sometimes, as mental health issues. And there was a time where I had five girls in the hospital at the same time. Wow. With depression, suicidal ideation, all kinds of things. So I became interested in the subject of mental health because I spent too many times in a psych ward. And because I recognized that the, the impact of poverty and the impact of trauma in right. poverty really causes people to carry that into their lives unless it is processed and unless they can come forward in a way that releases it. So for me, doing this mental health series is a way of releasing the shame, helping people to release the shame and the stigma for, stigma for themselves. Because there's almost nobody you know that doesn't have somebody in their family yes. who's going through some kind of difficulty. When you speak about trauma, is that one of the reasons you were so drawn to the Michael Jackson documentary? Because I noticed when you were, when you were speaking about that, it felt personal to you, it felt visceral. But, well, but you got a lot of hate for doing oh, that. Oh, so much hateration. I haven't had that much hateration since I did the puppy episode with Ellen. So, Are you serious? Yes, and you know what? I was, I, I was saying this the other day that I'm so glad that when I did the puppy ep episode for Ellen, where Ellen came out, and uh, people just, we had to take people off the switchboard because there's so much hateration going wow. on. Wow. Because that was before there was um, app tweets. Uh, tweets and social media. But um, imagine had that happened now. Imagine if that had happened now. Right. And you had social media. So I had a lot of hateration. But I also, when I first saw that documentary, I realized that a lot of people are going to get triggered, are going to be triggered by watching it. Yes. And that a lot of people will not understand what the pattern is, because I had done 217 shows trying to get people to understand that it's not about one person, that it is about the pattern, it is mm -hmm. about the seduction. And people call it a molestation, but there is a big seducing that goes on right. and the pattern of that seducing. And that was important enough for me to take the hateration for. Did, did you ever waver in your beliefs when the, the no, documentary director came wavered. out and said there was a timeline issue, Michael I Jackson have didn't have the train station? You know why I have not wavered? Because I've had girls at my school who were sexually assaulted and abused, and I have never won a case. And the reason I have never won a case is because when you put a girl on the witness stand and she can't remember, was it Thursday or Wednesday, the, 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 it, it's, it's automatically wow. discredited. And so when you're in the midst of trauma, something t terrible things happening to you, you may not remember the exact time. It's why, it, like, if I hear a, hear a noise or something in my house, I'm like, look at the time, because they're going to ask, what time, what time was it? Oh, my God, what time is it? So, so if you can't remember the day and the time and the da-da-da-da, everybody's like, well, okay. I guess it never happened. I guess it never happened. Oh, it was, I said it was that hotel, but it was that hotel. Oh, it probably never happened. So I've been through that, so no. Before I let you go, one last question that I have to ask that you've answered many times, but I never know if the answer will change. Is Oprah Winfrey running for president? <laughs>
that to happen. Why, why would you say that? You don't even want that to happen. You know, Gail, my dearest friend, uh, is, I thought she was actually serious. Like, I think you should do it. You should do it for the country. I said, you don't want that to happen because I have such a beautiful life. <laughs> I have such a beautiful life. Why would I want to put myself in that? I right. Such a beautiful, right, right? <laughs> I have such a beautiful life. I know my path and my path isn't that. But whenever I decide whoever I want to support, I will get behind that person. We'll be excited to watch it. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. The Path Made Clear is available now. Oprah Winfrey, everybody. Don't go. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.